0: Alright, how we doing everybody? It is 8, 20, 20, 20, so many 20s. I am your host Will Reddington and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Huge show for you all today. We welcome, for the first time, site expert and owner at at the Big Red Louie, Jacob Lane. We break down Donovan Mitchell, college sports possibilities and solutions, running a sports website during a pandemic, plus much more. Then I'm joined by Austin Bickett to break down the NBA playoffs as they get rolling, Finally, I'm joined by Shay Martin to check in on the MLB season, which is quietly about 40% finished already. Before we do, we have a new sponsor at Red Talk, the Thrive Fantasy app. Thrive Fantasy is now where it's at in the daily fantasy world. Fill out your lineup based on player props for an opportunity to win a ton of cash. MLB, NBA, NFL, golf, soccer, Thrive Fantasy has it all. Use promo code RED with two D's, of course, for an instant $20 bonus on any first deposit. That's $20 or more. Go show them some love. That's promo code RED for a $20 bonus on any deposit, $20 or more. All right, let's get it going. All right. A very special guest today, Jacob Lane, site expert, co-owner, BigRedLouis.com, host of the Big Red Louis podcast and of a new podcast, Life in Basketball, with Alex Stingle. Jacob, the pandemic has not slowed you down, my man. You finally had time to join Red Talk, the busiest man in the world. Welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That was a grand entrance. Thank you. I appreciate that. It is so good to see you in your closet
1: uh, it looks like a lot of cool gear back there. I see a maybe what's a Cleveland Cavaliers
0: jersey, a Cleveland Browns jersey as well in the in the mix. It used to be all jerseys back there, so it looked a lot cooler. But now that I'm adjusting to this work grind, you know, I got to have my pants hanging up, my polos hanging up. I got to be locked in. I got to be able to stare at them. While a I'm going new
1: to professional speak. Will Reddington. The world
0: is not ready for that. I swear. Well, it turns out they're actually very ready for it. Everybody's, you know, like, good job. Keep doing that. So, yeah, it's going good. But uh How has it been running a sports website throughout a pandemic? Because you all find content out of nowhere. It's been gifted to you today a little bit, but you guys have kept it rolling. Yeah, you know, it's been
1: uh, a a big challenge um, that we've kind of had to overcome. And one, obviously, that we could have never prepared for. You know, we were headed into... Um, the ncaa tournament back in march you know as a site trying to divvy out work on louisville's first round matchup what that was going to look like in the or in the acc tournament um and then all of a sudden sports is swept out from underneath you and of course you, you know for a few weeks you've got reactionary pieces you've got everything you need to kind of unpack the season and then there's your recaps and reliving the year and then you go into recruiting and trying to you know prepare what the future looks like uh but up in the in the last three weeks, I'd say the last month and a half. That's where Presley and I, uh, my my co-site expert and and a good friend of mine who runs Big Red Louie with me, we've really just you know we've really had to rack our brains and say, all right, what can we do? Because uh, you know there is news out there, but I think people are fatigued uh, from from hearing about what sports could be or what the season for college football or college basketball might look like, or is it even going to happen? At this point, people are so over, you know, the, the pandemic and the the back and forth and the politicizing of every little detail. Um, and I think that there's been, you know, some fatigue from our, uh, our readers, just, it, it's just tough to try to keep up with everything and, um, produce quality stuff, but, you know, kudos to our staff, our writers, you know, I think a lot of our ability to create creative stuff is our group chat and guys just constantly and gals throwing ideas in and just having conversation about sports and, um, it's been a challenge, but, you know, a lot of good has come out of it. I think we've had some of our most creative pieces during this time. And uh, the Life and Basketball podcast is a product of, of boredom, like, uh, quite frankly, <laughs> like, that's just Alex and I sitting down and saying, all right, what's what's not out there, you know, locally, nationally, what can we do to be different? What what can we do to bring people some entertaining content? Um, and so, you know. It, it, I'm sure everybody can say there's good and there's bad of the pandemic. And so it, it, as far as the website goes, it's been very good at times uh, because this is rewarding. This is the challenge, right? You know, this is not classic journalism and uh, and doing things by the books. This is sh- this is a wake up, see what's out there and react to it and, and try to be different and set apart. So I feel rewarded
0: with the work we've done. I love it, Jacob. That is such a great answer. And the Big Red Louie, it, it's uh- arguably never been better i mean you have an anonymous acc coach somewhere out there <laughs> <laughs> reading your stuff loving it saying it's awesome content somebody at my work today was like wow look at this acc an anonymous coach that reads the big red louis and I, I was thinking well it has to be a louisville coach it's got to be satterfield or one of the assistants like what other coach would want to read that much about only UFL stuff but rumor has it, I mean, it it might not be. Do you have any guesses as to who this anonymous person might be?
1: You know, I've tried to really
0: think about it.
1: Uh, Part of me wondered if it was Dave Claussen, uh, just because he needed something nice to say about the city of Louisville without directly complimenting Louisville, so I felt like the website was just a a real easy medium for him to kind of get in the praise team. Uh, You know, I've thought about, maybe it was Coach Satterfield, but I think he's too busy right now with his team. They're one of the few teams that have been practicing and grinding. Uh, I know he I know he reads Uh, you know we've talked to a couple of coaches who thank us for our work and who we have a relationship with so I know it's you know they're reading Um, but if I really had to put my mind to it and who I think it is I'd have to say it's Jeff Halfley of Boston College because I'm the only person in Louisville right now who is predicting Louisville to lose to Boston College this season at football so I think that he really admires that and really enjoyed that I think it gave his team some some confidence Um, And they're going into this season saying, look, Big Red Louie believes you can do it. So go do it.
0: Oh, man. I mean, what a random thing to do on any day. You motivate the 2020 (laughs) Boston College Golden Eagle football team. Look, man, you got to love to do it. Somebody's got to do it. You know,
1: yeah. who, who's writing about Boston College outside of a few old journal journalists who
0: have been there for 40 years? Like, let's be honest, Jacob. I can name zero people writing about Boston College off the top of my head. So you might be the only one. And they obviously love what you have to say. Hopefully Louisville beats Boston College and you're wrong. But if not, you know, that's going to be a sweet loss for you, even with just that theory. Yeah, and we'll
1: get into that a little bit later. Uh, but you know, I really believe that that Boston College's uh, like uh, that game had, just has a bunch of weird things coming together. And Jeff Halfley appreciates it, so you know, kudos to him. And if if you are a big follower of Jeff Halfley, do what he says and read BigRedLouis.com and listen to the Big Red Louie podcast.
0: That seems fair. A uh, real quick, modest plug there, Louisville sports. Haven't had much of it. You know, I mean, obviously the NCAA tournament gets canceled. We don't get any sort of college baseball season. Really the things that really make us go haven't been there, but thankfully we have donovan mitchell in the bubble absolutely going nuts and i just did an nba segment with austin bickett and we kind of ignored the elephant in the room because i wanted to talk to you about it you guys have been writing about donovan and everything that he's been able to do i'm at work at 130 it, game it's an afternoon and i'm like somebody's like yeah donovan's got 53 and i was like you mean like over the last three games you mean like he, <laughs> right. you know and and they're like no he's got 50. and i'm like oh well did he shoot 50 times conley's He's not there like no no he's he's 19 for 33 he's doing he's doing great and suddenly people are like wow is Donovan Mitchell a top 10 NBA player which is really a wild jump from where he was at before the bubble started a lot of people thought is the guy digressing a little bit uh is the system right for him does he need to get out of Utah they go to the bubble no Bogdanovic Conley leaves 57 in the first matchup with the Mavs, beats them today easily with a ton of help from Jingles and uh, Clarkson. Uh, What are your thoughts on Donovan? Well, look, I, I, I've
1: been a guy who, from the very beginning, thought that the ceiling was high on Mitchell. Now, I never expected him to be as good as he was as fast as he was. But you can go back to the archives. I think it would have been 2016, 17-ish when he was in his rookie uh, – or going into his rookie season. He was going to the draft stuff. And I told Howie Lindsey on 790KRD when I was doing draft coverage, his ceiling is Dwayne Wade. That's his ceiling. Now that's not, that doesn't mean he's gonna be Dwayne Wade, but that's who I think at his peak, that's who he could be. That was a Dwayne Wade performance that we saw against Denver. And the thing that was so frustrating that that Presley and myself and our team at Bigger Lily have been writing a lot about is can they get the man some help? Yeah. Can he can they get him some help? Joe Ingles, uh, well, you and I could go out there and probably guard at a similar level as Joe Ingles. He's a slow white man who can shoot with elite playmaking ability. But let's be honest, he's not stopping Michael Porter Jr. He's not stopping Jamal Murray. Why is he guarding Jamal Murray to begin with?
0: I think my answer to that would be you know, look at what he did to Paul George. You know, at OKC, like, Joe Ingles has had that way about him of somehow, while being kind of an overweight white small forward, you don't see a ton of them in the NBA to cancel out some of these stars in the games. And one thing Donovan can rely on Joe Ingles for is is to make an open shot. And I think that's what you miss so much of the time with the Jazz. If I have to see another Royce O'Neal corner three, I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's what you see a ton of. The Jazz are one of those teams. Possibly 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 one of the only, maybe three or four left. Where, if you're just a casual basketball fan, you're watching them and you're like, okay, who's that guy? Who's that guy out there? Who is Jawan Morgan? You know, right. where did he come from? Right. Our
1: region, them? we're like, damn, Juwan Morgan's starting a playoff game. Yeah. Like, well, well, IU was, you know, 500 the whole time he was there, but damn, he was good. And the people out in California turning on the game are like, who in the hell is that guy? Who is Mie Oni? Who is uh, Emmanuel Moutier? Who is Who are these random Tony Bradleys that they're putting out on the floor and until – look, I make – I make I say that and those guys are there for a reason, right? They're NBA yeah. players. But until Utah gets rid of the Tony Bradleys and the uh, the Nigel Williams Gosses of the world, like their bottom-feeding roster is so bad. Until so they can go out and, and get guys that they can – Georges Nying, like the guy from Iowa State who was so – one of the slowest college basketball players I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's who they're playing 25, 30 minutes a game. They play a unique system, but he needs help. He needs help. Uh, he literally did everything, and it still wasn't enough.
0: I think the NBA community, at least fans, Teams, fans that like other teams, they all seem to genuinely hate Utah and their time in Utah. So I I think it's kind of impressive that the Jazz were able to throw this roster together for Donovan, at least in terms of the first five that they were supposed to have. But Donovic was great. He was the second option all year. Didn't attend the bubble. And then you have Conley, which we all felt like well that's an upgrade from Rubio. It, it is. And Rubio just went and had like the best year of his career for the Suns. And Conley while at times was great, he quite frankly is not here right now. So I was thinking, man, the Nuggets Jokic is is going to score on Gobert. I don't care how good defensively he is. Jamal Murray can match Donovan. He might even be able to do better and Jamal Murray, I mean, he was unbelievable the other day. But So good floaters man the floaters I mean they were just at the end there they could not guard
1: him no matter what they did he was gonna score and it was really interesting to see the Louisville Kentucky back and forth if you're if you're a fan of the NBA that should be something that um, brings you a lot of encouragement about potentially one day bringing the NBA to Louisville uh, because you have the, these two stars going at each other who are Louisville, Kentucky guys. Imagine if Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray pushed for a Louisville team and, the, and Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray comes into town, what that would look like. Um, and so to see that in the playoffs was so damn cool.
0: it it, it truly was and donovan we he came into this series having as little help as he's ever had in utah and at the beginning of this year it looked like the complete opposite this this roster isn't great compared to the nba but for the jazz and for this market and for how they're perceived it's pretty good they did what they could and suddenly two of their four best players are mia and still donovan's playing his best basketball he's got that look in his eyes like you know i'm bad i'm bad and i know it out there and this guy can't stop me and i really thought after game one he's going to be discouraged he scored 57 it still wasn't enough let him in every single stat then they beat the brakes off the nuggets today this series is so unpredictable but if for louisville fans that maybe don't like the nba don't watch the nba find the jazz watch it it might change your entire perception on the whole league
1: yeah, I don't know if there is a guy as good at going from being completely guarded, nowhere to go on the floor, to having a shot as Donovan Mitchell. And the fact that I think he's listed at 6'4, but people that I know who were at U UofL when he was say he's more like 6'1, 6'2, maybe even six feet, uh, but he's ridiculously long. And so watching his game, uh, it's like I, I can't even put. An analogy to it. It's so unique in the way that he's able to get off of the floor for shots with just a little bit of room. Um, And and that's what yesterday we saw or two days ago, whenever they played game one, you, you saw that today. Denver kind of put a little bit a different look on him and they asked him you know they they forced him into some different things and what I love about Mitchell is no two games for him ever look alike. He can have 57, 8 and 9 and then the next game come out and give you 24, 7 and 5 and still be just as impactful as he was the game before. Um and the thing that's interesting about the Jazz is like this dynamic of Jordan Clarkson. He's like, "All right, look, Donovan's going to shoot 25 times and I probably need to get 20 shots." And so these two guys are going back and forth who's going to shoot the ball. It makes them entertaining to watch, but when they're off, they're off. Yes. But like game 1, they're on. They're they're a damn good team to to uh watch play. But let me ask you this. Who do you think is the guy that they need to go get? If you can, this is a, this is a tough question. We've, we've talked about this as a, as a staff and a writing team a lot. Who's the guy that they can go and get that instantly makes them a title contender.
0: I really don't have an answer to that because I don't know who would willingly go to Utah. I think that answer actually lies in a, in a really solid draft pick. Like they kind of, found donovan mitchell at i think donovan's best career option is probably elsewhere to probably team up with a with a big three somewhere and then who knows where that goes but i just don't like uh you have teams that are kind of overloaded on talent and the guys are going to get older and have you know new contracts necessary such as jalen brown and tatum in boston and stuff but i just don't when's the last time a free agent that was heavily sought after was like you know what i'm gonna go to utah
1: That's a great question. I don't think there's ever been one who's willingly gone to Utah. And more often than not, you're hearing about stars that are leaving Utah to go elsewhere. Gordon Hayward, a great example. Uh, I agree with you. And I'm going to make this prediction. This will be the first time I've spoken this onto a live airway. I'm ready. Uh, But I've been saying this to my friends for months. I don't know when. it might. I, I, it's going to be a while because Donovan Mitchell is going to re-sign with the Jazz this offseason. He's going to sign a long-term max deal. There's no reason for him to try to figure out a way to get out of there right now. Too much money on the line. But some point in the next five years, Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker will wear the New York Knicks uniform together. Cool.
0: I can get behind that.
1: I, Donovan Mitchell is going to play for the New York Knicks at some point. I think Donovan Mitchell is going to at some point be a huge part of that team resurging. Donovan Mitchell's ties are in New York. His dad works for the Mets. He is from that area right outside of New York. Uh, he's grown up in, in, in knowing the Knicks basketball culture. Now you have you have Leon Rose. You have, you have Worldwide West. You have Kenny Payne in New York. I'm expecting that to soon become Kentucky North. You take Devin Booker into the biggest market there is in basketball. You put him aside Donovan Mitchell, who I believe those two are friends. They've talked about, you know, potentially I've heard some things about them wanting to play together. Right there's your duo, man, and New York is
0: back. I don't hate the idea. And there was a lot of rumors like Booker, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns all ended up in Minnesota. Like, who wants to do that? Who legitimately wants to live in Minnesota? I think that was just a slam basketball cover that was taken a little bit too far. Russell ends up going there and they're like, Oh, Booker's going. But Booker, after what he just did, and it's so funny because he just signed that long term max with the Suns. And you Google it and you're like, Oh, well, he's not going anywhere for a while. And you forget that like contracts legitimately don't matter in the NBA. You can just decide one day you want to get traded. And you essentially will yeah and that's the thing people talk about and
1: including me i just wrote about this last week donovan mitchell is going to put the jazz in a very interesting spot if they bow out early here because he's on on the on the hook for a new contract with a lot of money uh where he could have some wiggle room some power to say hey we need to go out we need to reassemble this team because uh, a decrepit mike conley which is quite frankly what we saw most season Mike Conley was not the Mike Conley of the, of the, gr- the grit and grind with Zach Randolph and Marcus He was an older Mike Conley. Joe Ingles is up there in age. Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell have been at all. It's like, uh, I think that the Jazz have to reassemble or else Donovan Mitchell can be like, all right, I'm going to play my power cards here and I'm going to force my way out. But yet again, I just talked about it. That max contract, when you've got hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of life-changing money on the line, it'll make you kind of figure things out later when you, when you take that money.
0: Yeah, and for people that don't know, the NBA rewards players that stay with their team. The Jazz can pay Donovan more than any other organization can because he's re-signing. It's a different kind of super max, as they call it, if you go back to your squad. So in terms of cash, and Donovan seems to really like Utah, which is another thing. So we'll see. I I really... uh, the future's bright for Donovan Mitchell. The present is bright for Donovan Mitchell. They'll be back on in two days. It's can't miss TV. Jacob, I want to move on to something that you guys have been talking about a lot. It's, it's kind of an exhausted topic, but it's very important right now because we're just I mean, what, like less than a month away from when we're supposed to start this college football season? I like, think we're 24, 25 days out. I mean, we're we're talking
1: now. This is the time where we're, we're writing previews and we're talking about week one. And and Bobby Petrino's coming out to the microphone and he's saying we're going to be better on offense this season with <laughs> Puba Pass as quarterback. Like, that's the season we're in. It's a little bit different, but football is here
0: for now. It, I can't believe it. We had some news today, as we talked about before the show, they granted every fall athlete an extra year of eligibility. Very odd move, especially since seemingly the ACC and the SEC, the Big 12, they're going to play. It makes a ton of sense for the Big 10, but I guess it has to be fair. It's all very confusing. I don't know what happens to these recruits now. How many players can you legitimately have on one football team? I don't know. We're going to find out. We might get up to like, You know, 100-plus eventually addressed on the sidelines. But I'm excited for it, and I feel like my hope for it happening is at an all-time high because it's so close. The schedule's out. You can literally see when and where we're going to play these teams. Do you feel like it's really going to happen?
1: You know, I I think if you had asked me that maybe four weeks ago, I would have probably told you no. I think this point we're too close for them to say, okay, we're not going to do it. Uh, I think if they're going to, we'll know by the end of the weekend, because um, if you watched ESPN for five minutes yesterday, you saw that they're talking about nonstop. Can colleges send students home and still play sports? That's the topic. And if there's enough pressure on the NCAA of playing non-paid athletes, I could see them pulling the plug on every
0: conference. Uh,
1: But I think we're close enough where you have to, in your mind, say we're playing football.
0: Yeah, I hope our guys are practicing that way. And it's same thing for all the other teams out there. But it is so interesting. We've always kind of looked at it like, well, the NBA made this work. The MLB's kind of trying the NFL will find a way, but how can you put these college out there when they're not getting paid and and have this type of public backlash we'd like to think that everybody'll end up being okay people get it they get rid of it but that all it takes is that one and and it's like how, how could you do this to all these kids and th- that's just kind of what I've been waiting for
1: yeah, and I have too. And honestly, if you've paid attention to social media, there have been just as, uh, well, not as many parents who have spoken out against football. But uh, I saw a Facebook post from an Indiana offensive tackle's mom who uh, the tackle had gotten he, the, the freshman had gotten COVID and was dealing with heart issues post, you know, post uh, the the virus going away. And I thought that would be more of a concern. Then you have Michael Ojo pass away, former college athlete, not far removed from playing college sports, um, die of an apparent heart attack only to find out that he was COVID positive. So, you know, I think that there is some, and not only that, but you go to the Pac-12 saying the science says we can't play football. So how do you have different scientists saying different things? And I think we've made it far past that point now of the conferences have said they're going to play. They've said again they're going to play. They've said one more time they're going to play. They've put a schedule out. Teams have started fall camp. The, the the test results are coming out at rapid rates from different schools. The ACC seems to be, from what I can tell, one of the best right now in keeping the virus away. And that has to give you some sign of encouragement that football is going to happen.
0: Definitely so. And the risk and reward on this type of situation, they're so drastic each way. If this goes badly and an entire team gets COVID, 40, 50 guys, I mean, who knows what happens to NCAA football going forward. But the reward is also massive. You're talking about a whole college football season is the reward. What people work Monday through Friday for to wake up on Saturday and watch college football. It's crazy, the the counterbalance that's there. And I, I really don't know what to expect. But like you said, we're just too close. We may as well assume it's happening.
1: And we could see the Big Ten come back on. They could say, I don't know, there's been a lot of parents who have spoken out. There's Justin Fields' petition. Uh, I know he's done a lot of media rounds this week promoting that. And they want to play. Maybe they come back on and they say we're going to play. Um, so there, if there's anything that we have seen since March is that when we think a verdict has been made, the virus makes a verdict itself Uh, and things are going to change. The season is not people who think that they're going to play 11 games straight with no altering, nobody postponing, no games getting canceled are foolish. Like we've seen major league. We've seen the Marlins. We've seen the Phillies. We've seen uh, the reds even this week, having a positive COVID test. Like we've seen teams deal with it. It's not, it, we can't act and be naive as if it's not going to hit college football, especially with the numbers of people on the field at one time. But if there's
0: anything that should give you hope, the Marlins are are playing baseball, right? Have they not come back? They're back. They're playing great. The Cardinals no- the Cardinals are even back. They play the Cubs five times in the last three days. It's mentally exhausting. But it it is all back. And it, it's crazy because it felt like those teams, like, oh, well, we'll never see them again or they'll just cancel. Yeah. You could say
1: that, that – this is going to be kind of foolish when I say this out loud, but you could say that Rob Manfred saved college sports it, because of how he got the – I mean, I don't know how much he, responsibility he is owed. Derek Jeter's talking about my players went to go get milk. Like, I, like the optics were so bad at the time, but here we are a month later and, and no one's talking about it because they've rebounded. They followed a procedure. There's policies in place. They have the, the top experts at their disposal. You can play college sports. Uh, I think that both parties need it. I think that this should lead to some kind of mutual let's sit down at the table and talk about how the future uh, is not one side getting screwed. Yeah. I think that this has to – the, the it's like the NBA, right? The NBA went back to the bubble with racial injustice is going to be our message. I think college football has to – like college sports have to come to the point of saying we are willing to sit down with college athletes and talk about what this model looks like moving forward. I don't know if that will happen. But I think that has to be the players play this season, the schools get their money, everybody's happy, life goes on. But there's got to be some talk about how players are not going to be anymore feeling like they're, they're everything is at stake for them while millions and millions of dollars are going into to people's pockets because of them.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And as of now, it looks like Louisville's gonna have home games. They're gonna have away games. They're gonna play right over here at Cardinal Stadium. Who knows if there are gonna be fans there? I saw Georgia's trying to have twenty-two thousand out of their ninety-four thousand capacity stadium. There. Wh- what are your thoughts? Like, do you think that this is going to like kind of happen at least in bulk as it's planned? Like, we're gonna all play at the different places. There's not gonna be a bubble. What do you think? We're going to start that way. I think they're going to start that
1: way, and I think Louisville's going to have st- fans in the stands. I mean, we've seen Louisville City now for a month and a half play soccer games with no issue. I don't know if you've heard anything. Maybe I've just not been listening, but I've not heard about any outbreak responsible because of a Louisville City FC game. I think that the derby goes on as planned with, with fans there. Why can't Louisville football pack 10, 15,000 people into a 55,000 A person stadium i think they can have fans there i think we're gonna we're gonna start that way um but from there man when you have travel involved especially at this number like a baseball team is 50 people traveling max a basketball team they're traveling maybe 25 people when you're talking about a football team man you're talking about 100 to 125 people that is a game changer and what that looks like. Now, I am not on the logistics side of things. You might have a little bit more info on what that looks like, but <laughs> I don't know how you travel with hundreds of people and not worry about COVID. Like Louisville traveling to Syracuse is in Miami, traveling to Louisville is wild right now. Like, that's just crazy. I think they start that way. And then if things don't work, then we're having a different conversation about a regional bubble. And I think that they can make that work. We've talked about that a bunch on our podcast. Bubbles can work for basketball. They can work for football. The NBA and the basketball tournament have proved that bubbles are an effective solution. The talk about college students being or college athletes being in bubbles. I, you know, I understand that's an odd that's a that's a hard thing to talk about, but if if we start getting massive COVID numbers, you don't think that the NCAA is going to try to figure out a way to get a sixteen team bubble for you know or two different bubbles of the top teams together so they can play some kind of playoff?
0: It's reasonable too. I listened to Presley Myers car rants. I know what's going on, and the bubble idea is a fantastic one. Like Presley has been saying. Most of these campuses, if not all of them, are not going to have in-person classes. It's something that can all be done online. Most people are working from home, doing their job that they did in their office for this long. They're now doing it from home. It's a different world. These kids can still get their schoolwork done at home. They're probably going to do it anyway, whether they cancel the season or whether, they're due, whether they do the season how they have it now. And they're just... In their home cities or they're traveling, all their classes are probably going to end up being online. There's no reason to not look at that. I think it may be a little too late for football, so hopefully this just works out. But basketball-wise, there's so many great cities and stadiums, arenas, where – like let's take a city like Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge has LSU football, LSU sports, and that's it. You cancel it. Nobody ever wants to visit that city or do anything there. But guess what? There's hotels there. There there are things there that can shelter these players and actually have them put up pretty nicely. And that's the thing. Like these NBA cities, maybe Miami, they don't want to have a hotel strictly dedicated to a college football team. But a hotel in Baton Rouge or Tuscaloosa, places like that. Please give me your money because nobody's going to come here and watch this. Nobody's going to travel. Th- that would be great for cities like that, and it, it's possible to get five or six teams housed at different places. Yeah. Okay. So think
1: about this, right? Let's let's look forward three, four months to college basketball. We we heard this week. I think it was the um, the director or the chairman of the the college tournament this year, the 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 NCAA tournament, said we're going to play a tournament. We don't know how, but we're going to. Right. So say this virus gets out of control and they do realize college basketball says we have to bubble. All right. The KFC YUM Center can be a bubble for schools, right? You can bring a team in and, and put one in the Omni. You can put one in the Galt House. You can put one in the Hilton. You can put one in the Marriott. You can bubble in big cities and regionalize and go, you know, bubble to bubble that the, the key is here. Will, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, the, I think the key is travel time. If you have enough time to be able to travel from Louisville to Syracuse and quarantine for 2 or 3 days uh, and they they're going to have to when the flu when the flu season starts coming back and the virus gets even more serious you you're going to have to follow state travel guidelines and I don't know what that looks like right now I'm not an expert by any means but there's going to have to be quarantine periods and if you can if you can bubble and make that shorter and you know there's no one coming in and out. There's no travel. You're staying there. I think that makes things a lot easier and you can you can uh, have a lot more peace. But that also comes again with that conversation of are these students, student athletes, or are these paid professionals? Exactly. And I don't know where we go there. That's another conversation. But I know the NCAA knows they have to play something. And if that means paying players, I think that now is the time where they'll figure that out
0: this virus has had a way about it of at least bringing out compassion in some cases with most, I feel like mm-hmm. hopefully that happens with the NCAA, but for now we may as well assume it's happening. This little football schedule is out. We're playing all ACC and WKU Notre Dame. If you want to consider them that way, Jake, just from like a, like just a big uh, kind of bulk perspective, what do you think of the schedule? How do you think Louisville is going to be this year?
1: You know, I think it was really interesting that Louisville was somehow able to avoid Clemson and North Carolina. I think that those are two games that you could have potentially – obviously, Clemson, you could have marked as an L right away. Louisville's not ready to compete with Clemson. North Carolina is, from what I hear, is set to be the second-best team in the conference or third behind Notre Dame. So I think you got that shakeout right. But to the people who say the schedule is not challenging, I think that you need to – step back and get a look at the ACC as a whole here and see that, yes, the ACC was easily the worst power five conference last year. Uh, But there are a lot of teams taking steps forward this year. Pittsburgh being a team that could easily win the ACC, or I shouldn't say easily win, but compete to be at the the ACC championship. Miami could be a top 25 team. Uh, You've got Virginia Tech, who is by all means a top 25 team. Same with North Carolina. Notre Dame is now in the fold. So the conference is much better as a whole. And a lot of these games go from you, you talk about wins that you thought you'd have to now maybe, I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a COVID year. We have no idea what this is going to look like. Um, but I think it's good that they avoided them in terms of being able to get to the finish line and compete for the ACC title. Because I think Louisville can win as many as eight games. I really do. Uh, and I think that they have a, a – and I predicted this. I think that they're going to beat Notre Dame. That's my big prediction for the season uh, because I just think that this team is – think about it, Will. They've been on campus since June, man. They have been – they have had the the ability to be together much longer than anyone else because of Vince Tyree's foresight of putting a plan together. In a season where so much uncertainty lies, the fact that they've had these months to prepare is huge. And I think you're talking about eight wins being – uh, kind of what you I don't want to say you expect that because that's a lot seven wins I think we can really talk about that being the that needs to be the expectation is seven wins but I think you could talk about eight and nine wins here I really do because of of the what returns the continuity and just the fact that there's so much explosiveness on the offense who's going to
0: outscore them more times than not I completely agree I'm so excited like just to talk about Louisville sports in that light like in terms of what could actually happen on a field or or court versus well what might happen and and will we even get to see anything It, it really like the future is is so bright possibly for us assuming this all happens but we've arguably never at least in the last 10 years or so like. It's tough to compare a quarterback, running back, and one wide receiver on any roster that we've had with this one that we currently have. And though that's the kind of thing that gets the kids watch, it- It's the kind of things that can win you a game out of nowhere when you're that good at the skill positions. I just hope we can figure the rest of it out. And our schedule gives us an opportunity to do that. We start with WKU, should win that game, but just not having Clemson. Is such a positive thing. I mean, no matter what we do, it's just like we're we're still light years away from that. So you take that game away from us, and it's like, I mean, who says we can't we can't be there at the end?
1: Right, exactly. That's the thing. I, I do think you have to not be naive enough to think that there weren't games last year where Louisville got lucky and walked away with a victory that maybe they shouldn't have had. Boston College is the again, I keep talking about Boston College. Jeff Halfley, shout out to him. If you're, if you're following Jeff Hafley, you know that he said to read the Big Red Louie. Uh, but my, I just think that that game last year could have gone a, a number of different ways. And Louisville made a play at the end there. Evan Conley made a play when he was in that they won the game. Wake Forest is the same way. Virginia is another game. So there's going to be a slip-up this year. I think that when you're this good, there's a, there's a tendency to overlook teams. And I, I know that it's going to happen. I just don't know when. But I also think that you're going to see a team get a win against Notre Dame because they're going to see them for the second time in two years. So Satterfield and them are going to have a full year to plan of how they want to beat them. They ran the ball so well against them last year. To think that Notre Dame is going to be able to stop that again is foolish. It's just foolish. And Notre Dame is not as good as they were last year at the skill position, which is where they really hurt Louisville. And so I think you're talking about a win right there that is program-shifting set Charlie Strong win early in his career i forget who it was that they beat they knocked off a top 25 team and i think it was his second year uh and that changed the direction of the program same thing happened with Bobby early on with with Louisville and beating Miami in that first game of the season i know Miami wasn't like a huge juggernaut but uh, there's always these big wins in coaches tenures when they start and i think you can look at Mississippi State and think that that was it for Saturday field, but I think it's it's Notre Dame. And then you get into the other games where it's a 50-50 toss-up, but you got to give Louisville the benefit of the doubt because of the fact that their offense is going to be so explosive. Like, you're talking about Tutu Atwell, Javian Hawkins, two guys that own records at Louisville. In one season, what they did was we haven't haven't seen it in in a long time at those positions. And so Louisville hadn't had a 1,000-yard receiver since 2007. They hadn't had a running back rush for a 1,000 yards since 2010. You have that in the same season. Why can't they duplicate it with this? Fitzpatrick getting closer to 800, 900 yards receiving. Hassan Hall maybe having 700 yards rushing instead of 500. You know, you have other guys step up to the table. Justin Marshall steps up. They turn the ball over on defense more. Like, I think that Louisville's going to take another step, and they're going to be much better. But there's going to be a slip-up in there somewhere that's going to kind of shift the balance of what it could have been you could be have been like man we could have won 11 games or we could have won 10 games but we slipped up here uh but it's still it's going to be a magical season assuming we get there
0: yeah and it's reasonable to expect another big jump remember where we were at when we started that season against notre dame last year 17 and a half point underdogs at home we don't know what we're going into we're just happy to see the guys and then we're like oh wow this Javian hawkins guy he might be a problem he may be fun to watch for for who knows how long, and then it only got better from there. It all kind of comes together in that Music City Bowl win over an SEC opponent. It was beautiful. Jake, final thing on today, uh, your new podcast, Life in Basketball. You have three episodes out now. It's on Apple Podcasts. You can go subscribe to it. Check out the episodes you already have. Talk to me a little bit about it.
1: All right, so here's the concept, right? I, I think in the city of Louisville, we talk a lot about how much basketball matters. We talk about it in the state of Kentucky, and in, in Indiana, it's the same way. Basketball matters to a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. What's the story behind these guys who are playing in Louisville that maybe you don't know? They didn't go to your high school. They didn't go to your college. You don't know the story about a teacher who turned into an assistant that went to the Final Four in his first year at Auburn. You don't know the story about a kid who was a three-star recruit that went to Ball State, went through a very traumatic experience and came out as a mental health advocate. You don't know about the kid that went from Eastern uh, to Butler being the all-time leading shot blocker, the second all-time leading rebounder to now being an assistant at 27 years old in the G League Uh, practicing with Chris Paul and uh, the guys of the Oklahoma City Thunder. like These are stories that people don't know uh, that are out there, and we want to tell those stories. And there's going to be some where people know the guest. They're going to know the name and recognize it, but they don't know the story of how basketball played an integral part of their life, and that's what we're looking to tell. Uh, And so far we've heard a lot of really interesting things and a lot of inspiring things. And at the end of the day, you have to remember
0: that people say this is just a game. To a lot of people, Will, it's it's more than just a game, it's a life. I completely agree, and I, I will say that's been my favorite part about having the podcast, uh, just doing those interviews where you get to talk to somebody about their life and everything that they've gone through. And it, it's just different when you're talking about your own life and you're just kind of telling your story to, to seemingly anyone, to people that maybe you know or to you've never met. And it's it's something that with with the interviews that you and I have been able to get in our podcast career, like with the exception of maybe Chris Mack for yourself, like it, it's something that those guys probably don't get to do a ton of at this point in their lives. They, they may have done a lot of it at some point, but right now a lot of people don't hit them up. Like, hey man, talk with me for 30 minutes to an hour. And it, it's something that they love to do. And I think you can kind of hear that through the audio and i I think it's a really special thing and i'm glad that you've done that because you're a talented dude and to kind of compact your skills into just louisville i feel like it does a disservice to maybe everything else that's going on in the world you know while your louisville stuff is awesome i think it's going to be great for you to kind of be able to branch out a little more nationally
1: that's right. And then I think that this is a very interesting city. Uh, and there's a lot of talented people who come out of here., uh, but it, when you're talking about the 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 game of basketball in Louisville, you're mostly talking about the University of Louisville. And so the stories that you hear most are that of Kyle Kirk. You hear the brain the brain surgeries and how he overcame so much. You hear about Peyton Siva and his dad and the the life that he lived but we don't hear about some of the 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 kids that slip out of Louisville or the coaches that slip out of Louisville, the trainers who are developing these kids, the broadcasters that are calling games. Uh, I just think there's such a unique angle that everybody brings to the table um, around the game of basketball. And, and I'm very thankful that people that don't know me uh, and don't know Alex and who don't know what we like to do and what we cover have been so willing to be open and honest and vulnerable with us. And I really, I really think, we'll I'm I don't like to be somebody that toots my own horn, but I really think that if you just listen and and ignore ignore me and Alex, right? More times than not, we're we're messing shit up. Like, we're getting in the way. But if you listen to the stories of the guests, uh, there is a lot to glean from that, and there's a lot of interesting things that are taking place in
0: our city with the game of basketball. I could not agree more. You all heard the man, Life in Basketball. Check it out. Apple Podcast, Spotify, too? Spotify too, man. Google Podcasts even. Google Podcasts, isn't it cool when you start a podcast, you learn about all these places you can actually listen to your podcast. Also, another neat part, Jacob. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Let's do this again when uh, Louisville football is about to start. We'll preview it in depth. All that. Hell yeah, man! I'm I'm down anytime. I appreciate it. Well, hey, I appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, A.B., Austin Bickett, NBA playoffs are in full swing. We are overdue to do an NBA playoff preview, so we're just going to jump right into it. But first, I've started a new job. I'm somewhere 7.30 to 5.15 every single day of the week. It's it's really something. It's very different for me, but I am enjoying it. Probably not as much as you enjoyed what you just did, so tell me about Las Vegas. Yeah, man, I'm uh, super proud of you for finally joining the full-time work gang.
2: It's not great, hey, but... Thanks, it's not great, but there's worse things in life than having a job. It makes the weekends way better when you get there and got some more money in your pocket, so it's not all bad. But yeah, back from Vegas. Vegas is the best place on the world. I have a great time every time I go and came back alive and up some money. So successful trip. I'd say that's all you can ask. Was it different the other time? Extremely gone? different. Yeah. You have to you have to wear your mask everywhere unless you're literally in the pool. Uh, We had a cabana every day and even in the cabana, we're standing, we're in there with people that we are rooming with. Still had to have your mask on at all times. Uh, A lot of the tables have like plastic separators between people. There's hand sanitizer everywhere. There's, it's only three people to a table where it's usually like five or six. Um, A lot of tables were closed. It's super dead. We were, I would say the pool was probably at like 25% of what it was last time I was there. It was definitely weird, but uh, not all of it was bad. I mean... Less people, less lines, you know, cheaper tables at some spots. So I get all the precautions. It
0: was definitely weird, but no regrets in going. I still had a great time. Yeah, you know what they say, man. Safety first, then teamwork. And you probably had a lot of that. So I'd say that's all you can ask for. I'm glad that you're back here safe. You feeling okay? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, fingers crossed that
2: we're all we all came back clean. But like I said, it's hard to I mean, I know you can get corona anywhere, but That was the most I've had to wear a mask since all this has started. My ears are like sore from wearing a mask like 18 hours a day, but
0: I get all the safety stuff, and it's all for us, so it's all good. Yeah, you'll do whatever it takes. Imagine Dragons. Let's jump into the NBA playoffs. Uh, Perhaps the most interesting thing that's happened now that each team has completed their Game 1s of seven-game series are these these eight seeds, both of them are up one nothing, And I'm just wondering, do you think the Magic have a real chance to defeat the Bucs or the Blazers have a real chance to defeat the
2: Lakers? So with the Magic and the Bucks, I was on a flight when that game happened, so I didn't see one second of the game. I kind of landed in my layover and looked at the score, and the, they were up like 14 with like three minutes left or something. Thought it was a typo. I definitely don't think that the Magic have a chance. I think the Bucks win in six in the latest, probably five still. Uh, Vucevic had to have 35 it was impressive they won that game without Aaron Gordon. Jonathan Isaac didn't play. Uh, obviously, Mo Bamba was out and uh, all that. And Evan Fournier didn't score until like three minutes up. He's usually like their number two guy as far as scoring goes. So me not seeing the game, I really have no idea how they even won. I know Vucevic had 35, but still that doesn't seem like enough to beat the Bucs. But they did. But as far as the Blazers, I mean, yeah, that that is a real possibility that LeBron and AD could be going home in the first round, especially now they're down 1-0. I mean, the playoffs are all about matchups for the most part, and that's the worst matchup that they could have got. Obviously, the guard play for the Lakers is their weakest spot, and that is the Blazers' strong suit. So I still think the Lakers advance, but that one's going to go the distance, I think.
0: I think so too on the magic bucks. It's crazy. The magic are missing so much firepower and are still able to even win one game of that series. Very impressive. But you know, it's, it's the Vucevic and the Terrence Ross show. Terrence Ross just launched a podcast recently. Don't know why he's trying to compete with us. He's obviously pretty good at his day job. The magic are the only home team there, which a lot of people forget it's in Orlando. Possibly is an advantage for them. It, It at least looks like it, but Anybody can beat anybody, and if the Bucs shoot bad, you never really know. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think the Bucs will win that one in six. And the Blazers quietly have, like, two of the best ten centers in the NBA with Nurkic and Whiteside on the same team. And they really did a good job of canceling out Anthony Davis. Even Winyan Gabriel from UK did a good job on Davis last night. He scored the first points of the series. I was like, wow. Who would have yeah, thought first Winyan Gabriel? Zach Collins is out for the Blazers. But like you said, I mean, the guard matchups, it, it's drastic. They, they have Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell-Pope pressing Lillard and McCollum, like, the whole length of the floor. I just don't get it. And Rondo being out, it it hurts them. LeBron at point guard, he's got a lot of assist, but it's the whole rhythm versus rust thing that kind of comes into play in a situation like this where we didn't see the Lakers possibly try as hard as the Lakers should for up to the last five or six games of the bubble. And last night, the Blazers were just ready to play. And for a lot of that game, they just look like the better team.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Lakers were kind of... It looked like they were going to pull away for a second, and then they just completely closed down during the stretch AD had 21 in the first half and then basically a no show like 7 points in the second half and like you said with Winnie and Gabriel on him, that just
0: can't happen I mean I like Winyan another Kentucky guy but AD should dominate that matchup you would think so. And that, that's what I was considering looking into the series like, well, they don't have anybody that can guard LeBron and AD, but they're kind of doing it as a team. And I mean, how many wide open threes did the Blazers let the Lakers shoot last night? They just they just don't convert Danny Green in a Danny Green 2013, 14, whatever that year was where him and Patty Mills made all those threes in the finals. Yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah, I mean, how the mighty have fallen. Danny Green was throwing up air balls like crazy last night. And it, it is great from a viewer's perspective that we have these really competitive series happening around the league, even from the one in the eighth spot. It's not always like that, especially when the Warriors were around.
2: I definitely expected a sweep in the Bucks magic game. But this it's like LeBron said. He said, I'm not looking at this team like an 8-C. I mean, this Blazers team is more talented than an 8 seed. They have Damian Lillard, who... You can put him wherever you want, top 10, whatever he is. But right now, he's probably top one as far as since the restarts happened. He, The unanimous bubble MVP, and he's shooting from half court with ease and shooting like 40% from there or something like that. I mean, they're an eight, but only by name or by number. But I would say in a normal year, they're maybe a four or five seed. If they're in the East, they're maybe the three seed. They just played yeah. a little better before the corona stuff had happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the Blazers made the Western Conference Finals last year without Nurkic, and now you have Lillard out there doing the same thing. Again, he's got more firepower than he's arguably ever had, maybe since LaMarcus Aldridge was there. So, I mean, I like what the Blazers are doing. You're right. They're not an eight seed. It should be a competitive series, but unanimous bubble MVP. I'd have to disagree. The eight and no Suns, and your man, Devin Booker, what's a two and a half week period?
2: Yeah, it really sucks that there was no – I mean, they did all they could. They came down there and handled their business when probably nobody expected – I didn't expect them to to even come close to getting in the playoffs. And they come up half a game short, and the Grizzlies get the nod as the nine, even though they went two and six in the bubble, and they lost Jaron Jackson. It was disappointing that it wasn't uh, Blazers' sons. I think that's what most of America wanted to see at that point. But at the end of the day, I think the Blazers still would have got it done. Maybe it goes three games. But the the Grizzlies pushed them to the end, too. They almost – forced a game two but uh I mean they're gonna have a lot of hype going into next year I don't know if they'll be able to sustain that over a full length season but if Aiden doesn't get suspended 25 games and they probably are in the playoffs
0: yeah Aiden is not as an egregious first pick overall some of these big men have been in the past you can see why the Suns took him and that him and Booker could be really good together for a long time but 25 games is a long time, yeah, and you'd have to think they'd at least have won maybe one or two more of those just because he was out there, and that would have been enough to get them in the playoffs. So um, the lesson is don't use banned substances.
2: Yeah, there'll be a, um, a popular playoff pick going into next season, and they're super fun to watch. I mean, Booker put on a show every night in the bubble. That game winner over the Clippers was probably the, the highlight of the regular season and they're in Orlando.
0: I would have to agree. Uh, best upset pick in the first round. You talked a lot about the Blazers. Is that who you go with?
2: Ah, uh, well, now it's easy to say that's my pick because they're up one zero already, and they look like they just look like the better team last night, honestly. And they have the hottest guy in down in the bubble on their team. But I'm, before the, before all the series started, I said the Thunder just because they're I mean they're those that team that just scrappy is going to fight no matter what. Russ is going to miss significant time in that series, and then. The Rockets came out and just destroyed him. I don't, now, I don't think, I don't know if the Thunder have enough scoring to keep up with them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, take
0: the easy way out. It's probably, the Blazers probably the best upstand chance as of now. Yeah, Harden has never looked better, arguably, than he looked last night. I, especially without Westbrook. You, you tell me Westbrook's out for that entire series, which he it probably isn't going to be. But, I mean, they, they may not even need him. The Rockets don't have a center. The Thunder have Steven Adams, top 10 center in the NBA, and it just doesn't seem to matter. The Thunder were never even close in that game. And you know the Thunder won it so bad with all this bad blood that Chris Paul and Harden have. The animosity that Westbrook probably at least carries a little bit towards OKC. I don't see the Thunder having a chance at really winning that series, honestly. But yeah, I'd have to go with the Blazers for argument's sake. I'd say the Mavs do have a pretty good chance. It's it's a bummer that they're possibly playing the toughest roster in the first round. But with Porzingis in for an entire game, it could have gone a little yeah. differently the other night. Yeah, that
2: was a really uh, really soft ejection. You can't throw out a team's second best player in a, the playoff game for something that's not egregiously warranted warranting a ejection that was pretty soft but uh yeah anytime anytime luka is on the court you're gonna have a chance to win games and they have they have good role players too i mean porzingis is still an all-star and curry out curry jr out there i like the i like the mavericks to at least get two in that series i think the clippers uh some i think clippers are very vulnerable for an
0: off night here and there i think so too they just go through those spurts where they don't score a lot, but the Mavs—they're so interesting to watch because Doncic can score on anybody in front of him, whether it's Kawhi Leonard or LeBron, he can go get a basket. But Doncic also could not guard Lou Williams if his life yeah. depended on it. Most him. people can't, so, though, to be fair. Yeah, it's it's just so odd that he can be so incredible and fluent on offense. Possibly, you know, top five offensive player in the entire league and then on defense he just doesn't really seem to care and that's just not gonna get it done against the Clippers so I'd I'd say it's the Blazers honestly too but the Mavericks are worth talking about uh who do you think ends up coming out of the east and west
2: the west I would still go with the Clippers I know they're the favorite I know that's kind of lame but they are so talented and so deep they have Kawhi who we saw what he could do last year leading the Raptors to that title in one year um I don't think that's a lock. I, don't, I still think the Lakers could turn it around. But if they don't – I think their game plan by Fogle last night was just horrible. They struggle to score, and they're leaving Jr. and Dion, who are hired guns to do nothing but shoot threes and score, just leaving them on the bench for the majority of the game. I, I think you'll see that change going forward because you're not going to beat the Blazers without hitting shots. Uh, but I'd go Clippers. And then in the East, I'm big Raptors guy. I think the Raptors come back out, back-to-back back out of the East. Uh, they're just so deep. They're s- seventh and eighth men like Norman Powell and um that Boucher guy and all those oh, guys. Yeah. They're, they're de- their bench is just so much better than most benches outside of maybe like the Clippers and teams like that. And they play p- are probably the best defense in the league. The Clippers top five will probably have better defense. But as a team, they just fly around the court. They hold teams under 100 constantly. They clamp the nets up the whole fourth quarter today. Uh, I like the Raptors. I just, John it's Jonas is just one of those things. Like until you do it, I'm not going to believe it, you know, like show me. Yeah.
0: Uh, I agree. The Raptors have looked great. Um, I, I, I think the Raptors Celtics series is going to be as competitive as the playoffs possibly get, assuming they both get there. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit of contrarian point of view here. I do also like the Clippers to come out of the West, but I'm going to take the Miami heat. Oh, out the heat. of the East out of nowhere. Um, Really, the Heat are building something special down there with Bam and Harrow, two major UK guys. Jimmy Butler, they are as competitive defensively, arguably, as the Raptors. Yeah. And I think they have some really good matchups for Giannis. The Pacers and the Heat could have been a great series, but the Pacers don't have Sabonis there. Oladipo's not himself. TJ Warren has clearly kind of fallen off the rocket ship. So I, I think the Heat are going to coast to the next round. I think the Bucs may get pushed. And and I do think the Heat have a legitimate chance to beat the Bucks in the next round. And if they can do that... The Heat match up pretty well with everybody. They can do a lot of different things. They have the best three-point shooter in the NBA and Duncan Robinson out there. That's weird to say. Yeah. You know, that's a weird sentence. He didn't get drafted. But yeah, I'm going to take the Heat. I, I don't hate what the Heat are doing. Um, NBA on TNT, always a fun show. Charles Barkley's just wild on there. I just want to know what your, your thoughts on that are. You know what I mean? What are they doing on the I mean, show? this is... This is what they've
2: always been known for. I think they've kind of realized how popular they've become in the last couple of years. So they've kind of just even taken it up a notch. But I mean, I love it. I would take that over like two guys on ESPN sitting around just hitting you with stats and facts that like anybody just looks at the box score can see what they're giving you. And these guys are, first of all, they have two of the best players of all time in Shaq and Charles. And Kenny Jet Smith was pretty damn good too. And I mean, everybody loves Arnie Johnson. So these guys know what they're talking about. They've played the game at the highest level for 20 years in their careers. I mean, yeah, I like them. Shaq and Charles together are as good as it gets on TV, any duo. So that yeah, Skip Bayless I, stuff last night was hilarious because nobody yeah, likes Skip I, Bayless. I thought they were going to fight
0: the other night, uh, last night, when Charles Barkley said James Harden's possibly the best one-on-one scorer he's ever seen. I thought Shaq was going to come across the <laughs> yeah. table. Uh, they are entertaining at what they do. I just am starting to get that um FS1 undisputed first take sort of vibe from them, uh, which I've yeah. kind of enjoyed not getting for all that time. I really like the Draymond Green addition to the show. And you know that's weird for me. I'm not a Draymond Green fan, but Draymond Green kind of does the the Tony Romo, like doesn't overload you with stats, but like kind of goes in depth and shows you why they're scoring so easily, why they're so effective defensively about any team. So I just wish I could see more of that, but it is entered.
2: Yeah. I mean, I enjoy it. I, I don't really, I don't watch sports center all that often. Honestly, I like the, the Scott van Pelt is basically the only sports center I can handle. I'll throw it on late night just to catch some highlights and stuff, but I don't really enjoy sports center and, so I usually just stick it on TNT for like 30 minutes after the game's over. Just get their instant reactions. But it can be a bit much at times. But the uh, the Skip Bayless stuff last night was hilarious. So, UK, anybody besides Booker that's impressed you in the bubble? Um, Well, we're talking about winning Gabriel getting his first start last night. AD's got to be better for the Lakers or they're not going to – it sounds weird to say when a guy is 20 and 11 but that's just not enough when you have 21 in the first half. Like you said about the Heat, Bam and Hero down there balling, I – I honestly can't. I was talking to this somebody in Vegas where like, I can't believe how good Bam Adebayo is in the NBA and how quickly he became so good. Because at Kentucky, I kind of th- it kind of seemed like a bust to me. But I've ha- I've thought that Malik Monk was going to be like one of the best players in the NBA, and he ended up being not very good. So <laughs> I guess you never really know how a, per- a person's game is going to translate. But yeah, I'm hoping that uh, some of these Kentucky guys can make a run to the finals. So I guess we'll just see
0: yeah perhaps the one that is is most key in his team's success and wasn't great in game one is eric bledsoe the bucks point guard and everybody's kind of looked at bledsoe throughout this bucks run of the last three or four years like i don't know if that can be the guy maybe they need somebody a little more effective and i'm in the indiana george hill camp like yeah i think george hill's better than bledsoe but Giannis has a ball in his hand so much that they just have to knock down open shots, which is not exactly what Eric Bledsoe's known for on a court. But he, if he starts playing a lot better, they should be able to handle the magic. But if he keeps playing like he did in game one, who knows?
2: Yeah, and also um Jamal Murray because he – Donovan oh, had that 57-point that incredible game and Jamal Murray just went point for point with him in the fourth quarter and held the jazz off.
0: Jamal Murray hits threes that you quite frankly can't hit on video games. Like he he, he's moving while he's hitting them. He barely has any space. He is so smooth and he was like that at UK. Any three you hit look gorgeous. He shoots the arrow at the crowd. That's exciting. Yeah. That guy is freaking rolling and the Nuggets. I mean that that Nuggets jazz series is very, very competitive, which is wild with the jazz, not having like for all of the bubble with Conley leaving for the birth of a child. But yeah, Murray is possibly playing better than at least you know Booker's gone. He's probably the yeah. most impressive UK player in the bubble right now. Yeah, and
2: I would say he's probably, outside of Anthony Davis, the most important for his team's success because it's Jokic and then it has to be Murray. The Murray's going to have to probably put up about 25 a game for the Nuggets to make a run. And I think the Nuggets could make a run, but I would say they pass the Jazz first. That's definitely, in my opinion, the best first round matchup. It could have been this Philly Celtics series, but obviously Ben Simmons is out so this probably Celtics in five or six, I don't know. But yeah, I would say the, the Jazz Nuggets are gonna be the best first round series as far as just even competitiveness. And Jamal Murray is the most important to his team outside of Anthony Davis
0: as far as Kentucky players go, in my opinion. Final thing, do you have any advice for a new 730 to 515 Will Reddington? Any any <laughs> advice? You've been doing this for a long time it's new for me. My morale is high. Um, it, it's been good so far. So, any any words of wisdom?
2: Yeah, you got. I mean, you're gonna probably hit a slump here in a couple of months when you're like, man, this is not. This is never gonna end. You gotta just accept that that's a uh, probably life for the next thirty years. And uh, me personally, I just try to get to Wednesday. You know, Monday and Tuesday are always tough, especially just in the in the when it's zero degrees outside and you got to get up and drive down there before the sun even comes up. It's oh, tough. Shit. Yeah, it's tough. But once I get to Wednesday, I'm like, all right, we're almost there. Um, I'm the the classic weekend warrior. Just as far as long as I get to the weekend, everything will be okay. No, none of my problems on Thursday will matter. Friday at five. So, yeah, it, it's tough and it takes a while to get used to. But once you get used to it, it's not that bad. And your weeks kind of all start to be the same. But yeah, like I said, it makes the weekends. It makes walk waking up on a Saturday to watch football all day just the the
0: greatest feeling of all time knowing you have yeah. to get to do i uh my sister got engaged this past weekend i had a ton of unforgettable fun like not even just normal fun <laughs> unforgettable fun but i was in a like glowing mood i mean i was nice to everybody i came in contact with i think because i was just so happy to have a a brief small yeah. day off and yeah your advice is very good the only thing you said that really scared me there is like you know i forgot that it gets
2: the cold. weather will get bad and you will be going when it's 10 degrees and
0: yeah it's not great oh man okay well it, that's gonna do it for today i, I gotta go <laughs> think about that austin this was fun we'll uh check back in when the second round starts and we'll do this throughout the playoffs all right man sounds good let's do it all right ttyl right Shay. the MLB season has been going on now for it, it feels like a month it's actually less some teams have played 25 games some teams have played 12 it's been a long strange trip in a very short amount of time and we haven't even gotten to talk about it yet so let's do that H- how you feeling
3: I'm feeling good about it you know I mean obviously there's been ups and downs through COVID and all that kind of stuff during the season but I'm enjoying the season. I think it's a really fun season. I think the 60 games makes it super competitive for everybody. You never feel like you're really out of it. So I'm I'm enjoying it to this point.
0: I totally agree. And and now that I'm working nine, 10 hours a day, it's like you, you get home and you live for that home run that you're going to hit. It's all you're thinking about all day. And with 162 game season, it, it's kind of stupid to feel that way. But in a 60 game season, it's like, you know, the Cubs almost lost their fifth straight the other night. And I'm thinking, like, season's over. We lose. Yeah, this game. That's and equivalent
3: then, to it's like 2.7 games is equal to one. So,
0: yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. Every game really is so important. And you see your squad, the Reds, they have a slow start and they're nine and 11. And, it, you know, it feels like that's oh, in the We're phenomenal. like a game back. We're good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right there. Only four and a half back. And, Really, I think the NL Central is possibly the most interesting thing going on in the baseball world. Uh, We're going to get to Fernando Tatis and some of this other cool stuff going on in the MLB. But the NL Central has the St. Louis Cardinals, who a week ago we thought, are they even going to finish the season? Would the MLB really kind of move forward without the Cardinals? Because they had played five games and the Cubs had played 18. But they're they're back out there. I, I guess that they're not uh COVID positive anymore. I it was weird how quietly they came back.
3: Yeah, I mean it was nuts. Like they were out for so long. I remember I was listening to the radio and people just kept dogging I'm like these guys just keep breaking the rules, you know, going to casinos, the stories you're hearing. I'm like, you gotta know better. I mean, come on. This is like you're getting paid too much money to do this kind of silly stuff.
0: Exactly. And I and I've heard that story was was fake. I've heard it was true. And, right, and yeah, who I really... mean,
3: both both sides.
0: Who knows? The only time we've had something like that confirmed so far, I believe is Clevenger for the Indians and Zach police as well. They went out in Chicago, got caught. And then again, the MLB just kind of botching it on this process and, and, without a bubble it gives you an opportunity to mess stuff up they got caught police and clevenger these two cleveland pitchers at a bar in chicago real late not supposed to be doing that and police sack had to ride a bus home but clevenger flew back with his team and like to us it's like you know one of our friends goes to a bar you're not going to treat them like they can immediately get you sick but the mlb kind of has to do that to make the league work And with the Cardinals, it was so weird. We just never heard a specific story about that, a lot of rumors. And then one day it was like, oh, they have a doubleheader today. They're back. And you're like, oh, okay. It
3: was nuts. Just like out of nowhere, they come back, I turn on TV, they give up four home runs in a row. I was like, ah, it's great to see the Cardinals back.
0: Yeah, it, uh, it, it's very nice. They actually uh, today against the Cubs, they sent four batters to the plate and all four of them scored before the Cubs recorded an out. So
3: I saw th- that. That was They
0: really they're nice. not playing that bad, you know. They they're doing okay. They're 6 and 6 now. It's really Something that the league is, is going on the way it is. And I'm really excited that the Cardinals are back and that it appears now that we're going to get to finish the season. The Marlins stuff came out a long time ago and it was like, wow, okay, cool. This season is almost certainly getting canceled. And then the Marlins come back and they win five or six straight and you're like, okay, what's going on? I guess I guess all that's over.
3: Yeah, I mean, they came back. They haven't stopped hitting the ball, which was pretty sweet to see. But, I mean, I guess it's like, you know, you can't shut down the season. You have an issue come up. You know, you bubble the issue for a couple days. You come back. I mean, what more can you do? You can't just tell these guys We're, you're done. You know, they, they signed up for a whole year of contracts, so.
0: The uh, the no fans thing, I, I want to get into that a little bit. Teams are using different things to do. To things about this or to do nothing about it you have teams that are putting all these uh, pictures of fans in the stands teams that are filling every seat teams that are just doing you know 50 or so and certain teams are doing nothing you got Fox Sports, their broadcast adds the MLB, the show fans into the outfield, which I hate more than anything.
3: Yeah, I think I, it's terrible.
0: Terrible. I have four Cores lights and then somebody hits a home run. I see it flying out there, and the Wrigley bleachers are packed, and I'm like, oh my God, did I just go back in time two years? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, no, never mind. Those are the freaking virtual fans. The way-
3: they look so bad too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, Man, I don't, I don't need
0: them. They haven't come along far enough to put them out there. They're not realistic enough to be in the crowd. But I do feel like the crowd not being there hasn't taken away from the intensity of the games. Uh, just from a viewer's perspective, I, I feel like watching the Cubs every night. Like it's the same, you know, to me whether they're there or not. Like we're, we're trying to win. It's very intense. The dugouts into it, and I don't know if that's going around, on around the rest of the league or not in terms of. The, the just night in and night out. But it, it is true. On the north side of Chicago, the no fans thing, I think in all levels, NBA, MLB, that hadn't been a problem, at least to me.
3: Yeah, for me, like I've watched, you know, most of the, all the Reds games so far. They got, they've been off, you know, the last couple of days with a little COVID issue, doubleheader today. But, you know, they've been plugging in noise and I, it doesn't seem that different. Maybe it's because the Reds usually don't have a packed stadium and this sounds normal to me. But either way, I think the crowd noise is there. The players being able to hear each other a little more from dugout to dugout, I think that just amplifies how much they really are getting into it. And then anytime you see the Astros play, everybody hates them. So that's even better not having fans there.
0: I think to your point, we've we've seen a lot more of that than maybe we would have seen without or with fans in the house. Like there's been some bench clearing brawls and some teams jawing at each other where they quite possibly couldn't have heard anything. And now it's like the pitcher can hear everything that dugout is saying. So it's it's made for a cool season, like you said, and like the 60 games just makes it so much more intense and it's like there's 14 games every day. Like think about where we were two months ago. Like I'm just so happy this is happening. Even when the Cubs are getting killed, I try to like find happiness in it. Like cool, I'm so glad I get to watch them hang out. Isn't that all you wanted to watch them hang out? Yeah, yeah, it was. So <laughs> that's uh, that's how we roll. For sure. You
3: know that's that's how it is. Some days Reds Reds look good, have great pitching, and then they're like, I don't think we're gonna score a run in the next 20 innings. You know, it's just something fun they like to do.
0: Let's let's talk about a few guys that are killing it. So the Reds, they they pick up the Cubs' best player from the last two months last year, and that's Nick Castellanos. He's having a fantastic year. Eight it's home runs.
3: Yeah,
0: and and that's exactly what you expected from him. He's not the reason that the Reds haven't been great. Uh, the Reds had bullpen issues. You knew it going into the season, but Castellanos, a phenomenal pickup. The fun fact, Jesse Winker actually leads the MLB in OPS. So that that is, you know, something that like give somebody 200 guesses at and they're never guessing it. So the Reds, once again, you can find those key stats. Like this team's record should be better than what it is. But it's just never that good. man.
3: It's our start. I mean, the starters are doing so well. Sonny Gray, phenomenal this year. I mean, untouchable. Then you got Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo. Just out there dealing every time. I mean, you're getting six, seven good innings out of these guys, and they're just not getting run support. I'm like, why is this every year that we're either good at hitting and awful pitching or good at pitching and awful hitting?
0: Yeah, I think David Bell's
3: problem number one, dude, is an idiot. Does not know what a baseball game is or how to manage one. Yeah. A little personal feeling.
0: I have noticed that the Reds fans on Twitter do not seem to enjoy uh, the manager David Bell. But Suarez has started off really cold, and, and that that's not going to get you anywhere. He's been a top three MVP guy the last couple of years. But yeah, their lineup every day is one of those where you look at it and you are like, "Oh, the Reds." I mean, you know, th- this is going to be a tough team. How are we going to get these guys out all in a row? And yeah. Uh, Teams just find a way to
3: do it. Yeah, (laughs) do very consistently. Uh,
0: The funnest player to watch in the shortened season has absolutely been the San Diego Padres shortstop, Fernando Tatis. Javi Baez was quoted after we beat the Indians in a two-game series. Um, He said, Francisco Lindor is the best shortstop in baseball, but I am El Mago. And I was like, oh, that's a badass quote. El Mago, Spanish for the magician. That is Javi Baez's nickname. You know, I love Javi Baez. He's a man. Fernando Tatis's nickname is El Nino, which is uh, translates to literally the Christ child is what you can find on Google for that. And if you watch him play, it actually makes a lot of sense that he's gained that nickname for himself. He's bigger, faster, taller, stronger, more athletic than... Seemingly anybody that's ever played the shortstop position in the history of baseball. And I think that's like uh, been my favorite random team to watch at the end of the night. I always find a West Coast team after everybody else is finished up that I'm watching every night. And it's the Padres. They score a ton. Tatis and Machado back to back in the order. It's been a blast. And the situation that Tatis really jumped on SportsCenter for the other day was that 3-0 Grand Slammy hit. And it's like everybody's kind of agreed that he did something wrong by hitting a 3-0 pitch out of the park. And it's just so weird, man. Like baseball's unwritten rules. Like, some of them can't. So they're play.
3: unwritten because when you write them down, Jeff Basson tweeted this today. He goes, when you write them down, they're stupid. Yes. Like baseball's not a time sport. You have to get 27 outs. For all we know, the Rangers, they could score nine runs next inning. Exactly. A, like it, it could happen. That's why you never know. So this man was standing up there three oh, sees a meatball down the middle and he's not supposed to hit it four hundred feet. Like wh- what are we talking about here?
0: I guess he's supposed to just strike out and pout and go back to the dugout. I don't I don't get it that, at all. It's
3: not like the if it was two one, totally cool, man. Do whatever you want. That three oh, that's that's a problem.
0: Yeah, that man is built different, though. They they threw it Machado the next batter after he did that, and then that pitcher was up pitching the next day, and Tatis stole third while he was on the mound before he had even pitched up six runs. You know, he, this guy doesn't care, and I think that kind of badass mentality that Tatis has kind of owned is like, what could make the younger generation appreciate baseball day-to-day like we do? And there's several other guys like that around the league, Mookie Betts, has, he started off slow. He hit like eight home runs in 10 games or something. And and you have Mike Trout, who's played five fewer games than Tatis uh, after the birth of his child. He's got 10 home runs, only one behind him. But Tatis is really the story of the MLB. When you look back at all-time great shortstops, I really don't think you can find one that athletically compares to what Tatis brings to your team day in and day out. You're, you're like, you're thinking about Derek Jeter, you know, a contact man, a dude that was a great fielder and had a lot of clutch moments, but Tatis or Derek Jeter at no point in his career was leading the MLB in home runs and RBIs. I think young Arod is the only one that you could possibly compare to him, but I think what's going on in San Diego up the middle is really, really special. And I don't expect it to stop anytime soon. Tatis
3: was born in '99. Think about that. God he's about bless. to be
0: 22. Oh my! He'll be
3: 22 God. in January. He's leading the league in home runs, RBIs, runs scored, and tied for the league in uh, steals. I'm like, that's that's already a jersey I got in my shopping cart right now. Like, that's coming in soon. Like, we got to get this dude.
0: Oh no he, doubt.
3: He's the definition of, like swag. He's just a swaggy baseball player.
0: Definition swag. Up. I like it. And that's a great jersey purchase because the Padres have some sweet uniforms. Oh,
3: that brown. I wasn't for sure about it, but oh my goodness. It's, it looks.
0: It's a eater. It looks, uh, looks beautiful out there. Uh, most impressive team so far this season. Doesn't have to be the best, can be the best. What do you think?
3: Probably the A's for me. It's fair. Oakland A's. I mean, what, the month of August so far, they were like 12 and two. Just Matt Chapman, maybe the best third baseman in the league. I mean, just phenomenal glove. And the bat to back it up uh the pitching's been great and they're just no one expecting they're like the Astros still be good the Angels picked up Rendon no one thought about them and they're out here doing better than all of them.
0: they remind me of the 2020 Raptors you know like there, there isn't like a bona fide star but when you watch their team it's a sum of their parts it's really tough to get through an entire inning without giving up a run and the Astros they haven't Had a great start to the season. The Angels were supposed to be good. Joe Madden at the helm. Otani's going to be healthy enough to hit. Trout's in the lineup. They have Joe Adele from Louisville. They're looking to have a good year. They're like 8-16. and Quietly, the A's have like almost ran away with the AL West. You definitely expect them to win. I think they've gotten up to like minus 600 to win the division. But – very reasonable pick. For my most impressive team, I, I, I have to go with my home squad, the Chicago Cubs. I didn't know what to expect from the season, and uh, it, it's it's gone really well so far. The Cubs lineup is really, really solid every single day, even with Bryant missing some games due to injury, bias, slow start, etc. They're just finding a way to get it done. David Ross seems to know what to do up there. Caratini came up to hit. We're down two, about to lose the fifth straight game. He puts Bodie in against a left-handed pitcher. Bodie reenacts the 2018 walk-off Grand Slam against the Nationals and essentially beats the Cardinals with one swing when we were dead in the water. Like, uh, David Ross, I think, really has a feel for the locker room. And I think that's why you've seen a lot of teams kind of jump on that player that's one or two years removed from playing to manage their team because they just know how things are going in 2020. And David Ross has done a great job. I would give him majority of the credit as well as John Lesser, you Darvish starting rotation has been great. But it's been great to see the Cubs play this way. It's been weird. Cause I've been looking at it like, wow, is it really, are we really just competing with the brewers at this point? Are the Cardinals going to come back? And, and now they obviously are back. So who knows what happens from here, but 23 games in, it's been a nice experience with the Cubs, a uh, least impressive team. What do you think?
3: I'm going to go with the nationals here. I know that, you know, they haven't had Soto the whole year due to his uh, COVID test and they lost Rendon Harper's obviously been gone now his second year. But I mean, they're starting pitching. You look at it, and you're just like, they're going to get you three out of five wins every week. And they're just, they're not, they're nine and 12, slumping. They're not hitting well. I'm just like, why not? You all are the champs right now. What's going on here?
0: Totally agree. It's a a World Series hangover. I I feel like it happens every single year. Uh, The Astros never had it be the case with them, but they always knew what pitch was coming, which I feel like is really helpful. Yeah, it, it definitely couldn't have hurt. And for my least impressive team, I'm, I'm staying right there with the Houston Astros. 13-10, and 10, it's not terrible. It probably still gets them in the playoffs when you consider that they're going to take the top two teams from each division. But, wow, that team looks a lot different when they don't know which pitch is coming. Because that roster is very similar as to what we've seen year in and year out from them. They, they don't have Garrett Cole. They don't have Verlander. So their pitching is taking a big hit. But that lineup's the same. And all, all those main guys, Altuve, Bregman, Correa, the stats are way down as everybody... I mean, they're pitiful. So at the Astros, everybody hates them. Everybody would hate to see a team like the Astros at, at a 17-6 and six record right now or something. And mm-hmm. thankfully, the world does not have to see that. Uh, world Series predictions. Who you got?
3: I mean, I hate to say, but I think it's gonna be the Dodgers again from the NL. They're just—I mean—they're rolling. They have too many bats in that lineup that are just so efficient at what they do. And then going against the Yankees again, the power that the Bronx Bombers have—if they can stay healthy, which they haven't as of recently—but I think they're they're just the best option, especially Cole in the playoffs. Who's gonna beat him?
0: Yeah, it's it's a simple pick, but it's it's the right one. If I had to bet yeah, I mean, my life. Yeah. On a World Series matchup, that's exactly who I would pick. Um, I, I think, you know, if you if you wanted to have fun with it, you could consider like maybe the the Cubs and the A's, like they have things that could possibly put them in that situation at the end of the year. But in terms of like who is most likely to make it to that point, it's absolutely the Dodgers and the Yankees. If the Yankees can get Judge and Stanton were killing it and then they both got hurt which is kind of the story of those guys season and now you're hearing reports like will they even try to sign judge when the time comes will they go after Baez or Lindor and kind of move on because he can't stay in the lineup for more than half of a season whether it's 162 or 60 it'll be interesting to see but I would expect the Dodgers and Yankees to be there especially in the expanded 16 team playoff last thing for the day Tasha appears to be the bachelorette who knows what's going on with all this stuff but it has been a while for red talk we are going to be back for bachelor season Tasha.
3: oh I'm so happy when I saw that I like we were excited for Claire's season but boy I just didn't care about her Tasha, she's got a special place in my heart I'm excited to see this go I'm really hoping that she finds a nice guy can settle down she deserves one
0: I do, too. And it'll be really interesting watching this season, how it all goes down with COVID and all that. I, mean, I really don't know what to expect. But, man, I'm happy it's her and uh, I'm happy it's not Claire Crawley. It just immediately makes it more entertaining. But like you said, I mean, we were excited for anything. Um, th- that show has always brought happiness or, you know, we, it makes us pissed off. E- either one is, is totally fine. It, it, it ends up being funny at the end of the day, regardless. So very ready for The Bachelor to come back. So the bachelor with tasha is expected to start between September and October of this upcoming year. It's very soon. And in terms of the pandemic and everything, if the NBA can pull a bubble off with 346 guys and make it work to where zero of them test positive, you'd think that we could get a bachelor household. Even if we slim the field down to 15, we could get a healthy bachelor household out there.
3: Oh, I'd, I'd see no problem doing that. I mean, I think, there's there's enough resources nowadays where people use don't be stupid follow the guidelines you'll be all right
0: especially for a show that makes that much money i'm excited um that september october i mean that's that's soon that's in a month or two so we'll be back and uh the mlb is about to get a lot more fun than it already has been Shay i appreciate you rejoining red talk and i will talk to you soon sounds good buddy TTYL